In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our text is John 8, verses 48 to 59, the Gospel for this Sunday of the Holy Trinity, which has been read. I call your attention to the words of our text, somewhat abbreviated. Jesus answered, I honor my Father, and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said, Abraham died as did the prophets. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died? Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. I do know him and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. So the Jews said, Have you seen Abraham? Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. This is our text. Identity theft. We think it to be a modern problem, but it is really very old. Who had the right to collect taxes or the right to command local soldiers? Kings gave special rings, letters, uniforms, and even witnesses to accompany their designated representatives. But soon, even these were counterfeited. And many an insurrection in the ancient world was led by an individual claiming to be someone he was not. But the first to practice identity theft was Satan. He lied about what God had said and has persuaded countless individuals to turn aside from the God who made the heavens and the earth to worship some other idol, whether it be as crude as a carved image or as up-to-date as a secular philosophy. In today's Gospel, John 8, verses 48 to 59, Christ our Lord has a heated discussion with his opponents. The Jews had zeal for the law as the expression of God's will. They could not conceive that this law could be replaced or fulfilled. The law was God's written message, but Christ was God's personal message. It was as if a guard received a message from the boss, Don't let anyone in before I arrive. And then the boss, the author of that message, arrived, but the guard did not recognize him. So Christ's opponents could not believe that he was the son of the one whom they called their God. It's interesting to look at the way in which the argument proceeds. First, Christ claims the power to save from death. Abraham died. Was Christ greater than Abraham? Then Christ claims to have been before Abraham. Was he older than Abraham? And finally, Christ claimed to be I am, the name claimed by God at the burning bush, the name he gave to Moses when Moses asked, Who should I say sent me? Is Christ then God? And of course, the answer to all these questions is yes. But the Lord's opponents could not admit this. And it is not our place to look down on the Jews who rejected Christ's claims, for they are extraordinary claims. 
It is our place to humbly acknowledge Christ's claims, embrace Him as the one who has the power to deliver us from death, acknowledge that He was before and greater than Abraham, and that He is one with the Father who spoke to Moses at the burning bush. We can do this because God has had mercy on us and given us faith. Christ says in our text, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say, He is our God. The law of Moses says, let every truth be established by two or three witnesses. Christ's testimony alone concerning Himself would not be lawful by that standard. But the Father whom the Jews claim as their God is the second witness. And the Holy Spirit, evoked by Peter in Acts chapter 2, is the third witness that establishes the truth of Christ's sonship and claims. It is this third person of God, the Holy Spirit, who speaks through the word Christ speaks of in our text today. Note that Christ speaks of this word when he says, If anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. Then Christ says, it is my Father who glorifies me. I do know Him and I keep His Word. You see, the Word comes from the Father and the Son. A Word is formed from breath. And God's Word is from God's breath. And the word for breath in Hebrew, Greek, and Latin are translated as Spirit. The breath or Spirit of God proceeds from the Father and the Son producing the Word of God. And this is the means by which you and I receive God's Spirit, God's breath, which enables us to believe. It is the Father made present in our lives, and the Son who dwells in our hearts by faith, who each are made present in us by the Holy Spirit. Thus each believer has these three witnesses, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, who testify to the truth of God's word and the true identity of God. There are some who may lose patience at this point and wonder what it all means. Just as some may wonder what difference a few random numbers might mean when applying for social security or for a credit card. It makes all the difference in the world. If it is a tragedy to be denied credit or retirement benefits, it is an even greater tragedy to lose the benefits of Christ's redemption, the benefit of eternal life with God in heaven, if we do not have His identity straight. When we fall victim to those who steal God's identity, we suffer in this life and in the next. We suffer in this life when we believe the wrong things about God. We are not free when we do not know the truth. If we don't know what we owe on the house, we will either pay too much or pay the wrong person and lose our money. If we don't know what we owe, we could be headed toward an eviction without realizing it. If knowing who owns our dwelling is important for our earthly living, how much more is knowing who owns the world in which we live? I once knew a man who lost his job and quit paying his mortgage. 
He actually received in the mail an offer to enroll in a program whereby someone else, a certain government program, would pay off his mortgage to allow him to stay. But he wouldn't believe it. He threw the letters away and refused to discuss it with anyone who came to the door. He left his creditors with no choice but to foreclose. He refused the gift that was offered through distrust and through his own sense of guilt based on knowing that he had failed to keep his original mortgage agreement. So many refuse to believe that God has a plan to bail them out of their debt of sin. They throw his messages away and refuse to talk to his representatives. But you today are invited to know God's true identity and true will for you. That he so loved the world, including you, that he gave his only begotten son, that you may believe and have eternal life. God's will is forgiveness through Christ and new unending life through his resurrection. Those who keep Christ's word will never see eternal death. And to avoid becoming victim of those who would steal God's identity from you, Keep these things in mind. First, never separate Christ from God. They are one and their will for us is one. Second, never separate the Christ of faith from the Jesus of history. The Christ we believe in is the one who was born of the Virgin Mary into our history and was crucified under Pontius Pilate, a Roman official, he is the one who rose from the dead and ascended to the Father who sent the Holy Spirit as he had promised. Now there are secular historians who will say, oh, our philosophy of history can't establish these latter things. And they're right. That's why we walk by faith and not by historiography. Third, never separate God's word from his Holy Spirit. The Word is that which is breathed by God's Spirit. This is why we call them the inspired scriptures. And fourth, never look for God's Word outside the Bible. We confess that the Holy Spirit spoke by the prophets, and this refers to the prophetic and apostolic scriptures, that is, the writings of the Old Testament prophets and the New Testament apostles which Christ appointed dreams and visions, claims and teachings, pastors, and especially the yearnings and movements of our hearts must be tested against what God the Spirit says in the Holy Scriptures. Now the worst kind of identity theft is what Satan practiced on our first parents, Adam and Eve. They had known nothing but good from their heavenly father, nothing but love. But Satan created doubt in their minds so that they no longer saw his actions toward them as love, but rather as self-serving. They projected their own self-centeredness upon their heavenly father. It was like a woman I knew who, as a middle school student, was wise enough to resist the temptations of her peers who tried to tell her that homework was less important than having fun. At that age, she resisted that temptation, but
But in high school, she met a man who persuaded her that her parents didn't love her as much as he did, that in fact they wanted to control her and ruin her life. Well, he wanted to make her free, so she ran off with him, became pregnant. He abused her and slapped her around, and only too late did she realize who really loved her and who had been lying. God, who has given us life and cared for us until now, who has provided redemption for sin and a promise of future hope beyond this uncertain life, He is the one who loves more than we ourselves can understand. God is love, and that is His true identity, the love manifest by Father, Son, and Spirit. May that love of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be always present, be always your God, your salvation, your comfort, consolation, and hope. Amen. Amen. May the peace of Christ, which surpasses our understanding, keep your hearts and minds in this true faith and confidence to life everlasting.